Pitter patter, 708. It's time to get out of the second evening uh, employment hour of the week. Of course, Monday nights and Wednesday nights right here. Got the weekend shows and employment hour and 30 happens on global TV and CTV Saturday and Sunday morning, respectively. Schools here and uh, covering for Lior tonight is John Pinkett from the firm. John, you got lots of stuff to say. We will get to tonight reasons why people accept bad severance offers. Your phone calls as well as the phones are now open uh, for you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And one triple eight two two five talk. That number is toll free. You have questions? Uh, scratching your head about a severance offer? Maybe you just lost your job today. Maybe you lost your job a short time ago, and you've always had a question about it. Your boss, you got workplace harassment. Your severance doesn't seem right. Give us a call. Anything under that umbrella will be talked about and answered if you uh, call those numbers between now and around 10 to 8 tonight. We'll get to that and the severance pay calculator, the first stop you should make when determining if your severance offer is right. Spoiler alert, it ain't. So you got to go there and check it out first. But uh, without further ado, I will give it over to you, Johnny, with your uh, week that was. You probably got a couple of things going on. What's happening, brother? Thanks, John. And indeed, I do. And thanks to everyone again for joining us. And good to be here talking about workplace rights. And it's uh, nice out. And hopefully some people have some vacation and and aren't going to be working. But for a lot of people, they'll be working. And for some people, they're going to have problems at work. And sometimes it's a a problem of a change at work. And sometimes it's a problem of losing your job. And the reality is, is that it at some point, it's bound to happen to you. So if you or, or someone you know uh, relates to any of the things that we're talking about or, or has anything else, I, I hope you call and, and uh, don't don't feel the need to give us your name if you don't want to, and hopefully we can help you out. So uh, just starting with the week that was, a couple situations that I've been dealing with over the last few weeks, or, or I, I suppose since the last time I was here on the show. Uh, one was a, f- a few a few weeks ago, a gentleman who worked for a small organization, and they wanted him to sign a new employment contract. Uh. So he came to us, and they asked us to look it over. And sure enough, it included an extremely onerous termination clause that would have allowed the company to terminate his employment and pay him the bare minimum amounts under the Employment Standards Act, which, of course, as regular listeners of the show know, is much less than your full entitlements. And worse yet, it had an extremely onerous non-competition clause, which would have prevented this person from working for 12 months and a non-solicitation clause for the same period of time. So, of course, I told this employee, well, you can't sign this. And as it happened, this person had been with the company for 15 years and was working as a salesperson. And this employment contract would have been the death sentence for his job security. Basically, it would say, hey, employee, we can terminate your employment by paying you eight weeks pay. Oh, and by the way, you can't work in the industry for the next year. So once I explained this to him, he rightfully refused to sign and told the company politely that you know he was declining to sign the agreement. Well, strangely, this made the company very angry. They thought, how dare this employee not agree to sign our employment contract? We had this drafted by an expensive Bay Street lawyer, paid a lot of money to have this done, and this employee is ruining everything. What they didn't seem to understand is that they could not force this employee to sign this contract because they fired him the next day and they claimed they had just cause for insubordination. Mm -hmm. So then they tried to get away with paying him no severance. So now the first thing our listeners should know is that this is a very extreme and unusual reaction to refusing to sign a contract. Now, most employers have the common sense to know that if an employee doesn't want to agree to change the terms of their employment, well, too bad, so sad. And 95% of employers will react exactly this way. So, you know, their rights continue as normal. And obviously, it's not just cause. 
But here the employer was uh, deciding to to play a very uh, ill-advised game, I'll mm-hmm. say. And so we got in the picture and wrote a letter to the company, which eventually got into the hands of their lawyer. And when I spoke to their lawyer, she candidly told me that she was appalled at what her client had done and, of course, had a very stern discussion with them about their actions. And the good thing is because the employee did not sign the contract, we can now negotiate that employee's full entitlements, which in this case, because of the client's age and high rate of compensation, was 16 months of his pay. Wow. And because the employer had displayed such incredibly poor judgment, we have a ton of leverage in this case in the negotiations. And I don't have to tell you how a court would react to this kind of conduct. So the lesson here, of course, is never ever sign an employment agreement without consulting first with a lawyer, especially if you're already employed. So many times we've seen people sign employment agreements, often within uh, at close to the end of their employment, and then they come to us after they've been given a crummy severance package. This is a huge mistake. If you're given an employment agreement, speak to a lawyer. Employment agreements are not for your protection. Uh, 99% of the time, they are for the company's protection. Well, especially when they come midstream in the middle of your employment. It's not like, hey, we're going to give you a whole lot more and just sign this. No, no, it works the other way around. We're taking stuff away, right? Yes, be very suspicious. So if they're offering you something, they're saying, well, we'll give you a bonus, we'll give you a raise. Well, okay, but the devil's in the details. Really yeah. look at it. So 416, sorry, John, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and one triple eight two two five. talk That is toll-free. By the way, phone lines are over for you. You want to ask John a question, you can uh, you can do so. So uh, what else do you got uh, got happening? Yeah, the uh, second situation involves an employee who'd been let go from a company after working for only six months. So she went on our severance pay calculator and found out that she was entitled to two to three months pay. And she'd been offered four weeks pay, so she thought, well, that's a little short, not by a whole lot, but what the heck, I'll call ST Law and see what they have to say. Right. I spoke to this person for a few minutes, and one of the first questions I asked, which I always ask people who are let go after such a short period of time is, did you apply to this position or were you recruited? And as it turned out, this employee had been approached by a headhunter who was hired by the company. Okay. And and this employee wasn't looking at the time. When she'd interviewed with the company, she explained to the company that she'd been employed, and she was employed uh, at the time by a major bank for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. She had emails proving this and other emails where the company told her they wanted her for the long haul and emailed her that she would have a long career with them. And, of course, as it turned out, this wasn't the case. No. And so I asked her, I said, well, you must be a little upset that they pulled you away from this job that you had with the bank. And she said, yes, of course, I'm upset. I'm furious. But what can I do? Well, that's when I had some good news for her. The law protects you in these circumstances. And this is what we call inducement. If an employer draws you away from long-term, secure employment and suggests to you that you're going to have a long-term employment somewhere else, and then they renege on this and they let you go after a couple of months or even after a couple of years and they say, well, it's not working out. We don't have the money or it's, we just don't think that you're the right fit for this role. The law will factor that into your entitlements. So when we're negotiating her severance, it's almost as if we're looking at her as if she was terminated from a job of 15 years because that's where she was pulled away from. Right. And, and I could tell you, John, based on past history and the circumstances of this case, my guess is when all this is said and done, she's probably going to be looking at a severance package closer to nine or ten months, not four weeks. Wow. So the lesson here is if you're being recruited from a company, 
put everything in writing because what really gave us strength in, in the negotiation is the fact that she had emails back and forth with the company, clearly showing that they knew she wasn't looking at the time, knew she had been employed for 15 years, and did give her the impression that it was a long-term opportunity. So had it been just verbal, that wouldn't have been the case. So, and I, the other thing, similar to the last situation, is it was very good that she did not sign an employment agreement because if yeah. she'd signed an employment agreement that contained a probationary clause, it would have been almost impossible to argue that she'd been promised a long-term position. So again, I know it's difficult to think about the end of employment when you're just starting an exciting new opportunity, but you have to think about these things uh, or you're going to regret it later on. Well, I guess a couple of things, the asinine thing would be to agree to a, uh, you know, a uh, what you uh, you just mentioned three month uh, probation if probation. they're pulling you from a job for fifteen years or obviously you're not going to go on probation if they ask and secondly I mean I guess the lesson for employers is that if you're going to hire someone away make sure you put an employment contract that you will not recognize past service right yes absolutely so if you're yeah. concerned that someone is coming to you and they're leaving a job that you know they've been at a long for a long time right. you you not only probably want to have a probationary clause there's another clause that you can put in that says you agree that you have not been induced. And uh, that's that's a very powerful thing to have in an employment contract. So that's what I would advise my uh, yeah. employer clients. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale and one triple eight two two five talk That is toll free. First call tonight, Brian. Good evening. How are you? Good. And yourself? Good, pal. What's going on with you? Just uh, curious. I've always listened to your show for information purposes. Uh, and uh, questions I've always heard from other people and I, I don't have the answer for is, how do you calculate broken service? in severance calculation? That's a great question, actually. So there, there's two answers to this. One is the answer that applies to your minimum entitlements, which is very simple, and the other is that which applies to your full entitlements. So as per your minimum entitlements, generally speaking, if it's a large company, regardless if there are breaks in sur- service, you do get credit for all of them, generally speaking. Now, there's there's some technicalities where if it's a smaller organization, that may not apply. But if you're working for a large company, if you have a break in service, all of that gets counted. Now, it gets a little bit more complicated if we're talking about your full entitlements, which is what most people have if you haven't signed something to the contrary, right? This is what you have by default. So when we're talking about your full entitlements, we're going to look at a few things. The first thing we're going to look at, well, when you came back, did they reinstate your vacation entitlement? Did they reinstate your pay? Did they reinstate your benefits? Is there anything in writing? Did the parties turn their mind to the notion of whether there was uh, there was going to be continued service? And so what the law does in this situation is they look at the t- totality of the context. And having looked at it, they say, well, did the company really look at this as a returning employee or did they have them sign a new contract with a probationary clause? Was there an interview? Did they have to apply? Did their vacation go down back to what it was previously? So there's a lot of moving pieces to this, but certainly I would not make the assumption that if you leave a company and come back that you're starting from scratch because often that's not the case. Okay, that's fair enough. I think that uh, that was a great answer. Thank you very much for that. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Brian, appreciate that. Uh, anything you need uh, further, ask John, Lior, member of the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmenthour.com. Give me some details on the severance pay calculator. So the severance pay calculator is a great tool and it's helped a lot of people and it's often the first stop before they call our offices. It's, it's an anonymous tool. You put in your age, your position, your length of service and what it will do is it will spit out a range of entitlements 
based on the historical precedent of what people in similar circumstances to you get. So it's a great way to figure out if you've been given a fair severance package. And for the most part, people who go on that severance pay calculator are shocked to find that they've been shorted by $10,000, $20,000, $80,000 in some cases. And it takes takes about five minutes. It's completely anonymous. There's no fee. There's no obligation. So you really have nothing to lose by doing it. It's a great tool. So we're very proud of it. And uh, it, it helps a lot of people. Yeah, you see a lot of people, over half a million people actually by the numbers have used this thing since uh, Lior created it uh, several years ago. And it is a helpful tool. There's also an employer mode. So if you're an employer wondering what to do right and the correct amount of severance you need uh, to let go of an employee, if you're going to be terminating somebody, you can use the employer mode on that as well. Severance pay calculator. Dot com Phone lines are wide open. We'll take a short break. You can call us, ask your questions. We'd love to hear from you for the remainder of the evening. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That is still free. More Employment Hour is on the way. Global News Radio. You are indeed at 724 on your Wednesday evening. Lots of time for you to call in, ask your questions. John Pinkins is covering the phones and the details and the content tonight here on the Employment Hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That number is toll-free tonight as well. And if you want to get a hold of John after the show is over, help at employmenthour.com or one 855 to ask your questions outside of the show hours uh, during the week and the weekends as well. Reasons why people accept bad severance packages, number one, I'm going to throw it at you right off the top, they don't realize they're entitled to more, obviously, right? Yeah, this is this is a big one. About I'd say probably over 90% of the severance offers that I see are very inadequate. And, and why is this? Well, it's a simple cost-benefit analysis from the employer's perspective, right? If you, I'm going to let go yeah. a ton of people, I'm going to give them all very small severance offers, even if not all of them accept it, even if only one of those people accepts it, sometimes that can make the difference of saving a lot of money. So there, there is a. it's not just that a lot of severance offers are inadequate. It's not just that most severance offers are inadequate. It's that there's a reason why. And an employer isn't just offering you a lower severance offer because they're, they don't know they owe you more, although that's often the case. They're offering it to you because they know that someone, someone, at least one person, especially if it's a large company, is going to accept it and is not going to speak to a lawyer. I think the fact is more people are going to accept it than rather go to a lawyer because they just don't know. Hence the reason why this show started so many years ago and why you're doing it tonight, right? To enlighten and inform people. They get scared. And a lot of what we have to do every day is, I guess, for for lack of a better term, unscaring people, right? Right. Putting their minds at ease and, and reassuring them that this is not a scary process. This is a process that happens thousands of times every week all over the province, all over the country. And it's it's a business negotiation, and that's the way you have to look at it. The same way, you, I know it doesn't feel that way, but it really is similar to if you're if you're buying a major purchase, right? It's an important decision, but there's going to be pressures. There's going to be one side with leverage, one side that has less leverage, and yeah. that's how we have to look at it. Talking about why people accept bad severance offers, oh, we love this one. This is this this is just the you know this elephant in the room every time they relied on bad advice from yeah, you got it, the Ministry of Labor. Right. And I, I don't want to knock on the Ministry of Labor. They're certainly not intentionally giving people uh, advice that's wrong. And in fact, they're not really giving people that that's advice that's 
technically wrong. It's just incomplete because they cannot give you advice with respect to your full entitlements. And if you go to the ministry's website, you'll see that they they point that out. But unfortunately, some people miss that, right? Some people don't see that disclaimer, that very, very important disclaimer that the ministry provides that they can only advise with respect to one's minimum entitlements. And if actually you see that disclaimer and the ministry, I think, is getting a little better at doing this, they'll say, go speak to a lawyer because that's exactly what you should be doing. Full severance entitlements are not governed by the Employment Standards Act, not governed by the Ministry of Labor, and can only be properly addressed by a lawyer, not the ministry. 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone, or one 225 talk That number is toll-free this evening, of course. Got to Fred online. Hey, Fred, good evening. Hi, how's it going? Good, brother. What's going on with you? So, my question is, so when I first joined the company I was with, they had to sign an employment agreement, blah, 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 you know. Then they had to sign a new one, didn't tell us why, just said we're redoing our stuff. Long story short, short while after that, they sold the company to a publicly traded company. The company was originally privately owned by one individual. So is the the new employment agreement that we signed still valid or no longer good because now we belong to a different company? That's a very good question, and and it may not be a simple answer. This is actually a point that is often uh, debated among employment lawyers. Really, I'd have to see the employment agreement itself typically those employment agreements uh, carry over, but there is often an argument, depending on the circumstances, that it does not, if it's really a, a new employment relationship that simply recognized your prior service. So what I would recommend that you do is if you're in a situation where uh, the company is letting you go or threatening to let you go and you want to know your entitlements, uh, you should forward that to one of, you can forward it to myself or one of the other employment lawyers at ST Law, and we'll take a look at it and we can have a discussion with you because it, it may still be valid. Uh, but the other thing is that even if it is valid, it, it still may not affect your entitlements because a termina- it's not enough for there just to be a termination clause. It has to be drafted properly. And a lot of our job as employment lawyers is to evaluate the legality of employment uh, termination clauses. And where a termination of employment clause does not comply with the statutory minimums, and there's, there's, there's a dozens of requirements technically that it has to comply with, then that's not going to be a legal termination clause. So there's, there's multiple questions here. There's multiple moving pieces. And the only way to answer it is to, to actually see the employment agreement. Well, my question over and above that is because we're going to be, it looks like we're going to be sold again to another company. And so, you know, that's... Would they still be passing it on to them if, if, if the clauses were correct, I guess? Well, it really will depend on what happens when that company gets bought. So, for instance, if the company has you sign a new employment agreement, it's likely that that employment agreement will supersede the previous one. If they don't get you to sign a new employment agreement and those those com- that new company, the purchaser, receives the employment agreements of the previous company, then yes, I would say likely those employment agreements will carry over. It's just what I'm, what I'm emphasizing here, Fred, is that that's not necessarily the end of the story, especially when it comes to severance. You really have to see the employment agreement itself. But short answer to your general question is that yes, generally speaking, those carry over, uh, but there are exceptions. So is there, is, would there be, uh, if you had to fight it in court, would there be an incident, uh, uh, sorry, uh, a circumstance where you would say, look, you guys had us sign this, 
and three months later you sold the company. It's like, whoops, we're selling. Isn't that sort of disingenuous for the company to do that? Not necessarily. Not necessarily because if you because what will happen is if the company gets bought either through through an asset purchase sale, certainly if it becomes if it gets bought just through shares, then really your employment hasn't changed at all. But if it gets bought through an asset purchase agreement, then what the the law will say most of the time is, well, your employment just has it's just really carried over. It's just continued. If there hasn't been any interruption in service, you haven't experienced any any breaks here you're working the same job so you're subject to the same terms you have the same rights but you also have the same obligations and you also have the same limits to your rights now i'm not saying that's necessarily the answer in your case right because every case you have to evaluate on its own contract but generally speaking the old employment agreement is is uh it, it can be still valid there there are some situations where it is not uh, but it's it's going to depend on the circumstances, and it's going to depend more than anything on what paperwork is signed at the time you start with the purchaser. Fred, okay. was there big differences between the two? Um, Fred, I don't, you're I on your second employment again. Was there big differences between the first and uh, second one? You mean the, the uh, documents? I have to compare them. I, I don't recall offhand. Yeah. Did you, so, did, you, did you get anything for signing? Would that matter, John? Did you got anything for signing that second document? Well, uh, if if the second, it depends when the second document came. So if the second document came right. at the time of the sale, then what the law says is you don't you don't need to get anything to get that. Right. The 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 new the job with the purchaser is effectively what you're getting. Yeah. Oh they, wow. They, they just said here you are sign this, and then lo and behold, a couple months later, say oh by the way, we're selling the company. Right, right, and 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 letting you go in the process. Uh, well, they haven't let us go. I mean, we we still employed, but okay. you know, it, it just seems to me that they knew something beforehand. Because when you sell a company, it's not done in a three month period. It's done over much more of due diligence. And I, I knew that they they probably knew about it, and they were doing something about you know to screw us basically. Right. Well, that's only going to really, for your sake, though, as far as you're concerned, it's really only going to matter if they make a change to your employment or or if they let you go, right? So that's the point where I want you to give us a call because that's the point where we're really going to go through these contracts with a fine-tooth comb. And if there's a way around it, we'll find it. Fred, good call. Appreciate that. The number one eight five five eight. Two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of John and the crew. Help at employmenthour.com for you as well to call in tonight, ask your questions just like that. In depth answers what we give four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell and one triple eight two two five talk. That is toll three. Get to uh, to Eric. Hey Eric, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Good pal. What's uh, what's going on in your world? Uh, so I was uh, at a company and uh, working for just. Uh, uh, just under a year, let's say, and um, they had a uh, bring your own device policy. So there was nothing that I signed at the time for it, nothing in the uh, offer of employment. It was just something that I was told. The IT team uh, had to install some software on my phone for security reasons. No big deal, except when I was. Um, let go and given my severance and everything once i leave the building the it team goes about uh just deleting that software i'm used to that i've experienced that before except their software accidentally wiped my entire device keep in mind again this is my personal device so now i'm wondering is there more that i'm able to do outside of just the basic uh severance offer 
That that's definitely a frustrating situation, and uh, I empathize with you for sure, Eric. I, I, from a legal perspective, even if there was something you could do there, I mean, the the question often is, as a practical matter, is it really worth it? I mean, are you going to be entitled to? Uh, additional compensation for that. Well, I, I suppose if they did it maliciously, you might have more leverage in the severance negotiations as this being sort of an act done in bad faith at the time of termination because what the law says is, you know, when you're letting someone go, it's a vulnerable time and you, you can't kick them in the head as they're going out the door, right? Wow. So uh, if that's something they did intentionally, that could be an issue. But if they just kind of did it negligently, uh, if you could sh- if you could show that you experienced a financial loss as a result of that, then certainly you could go after them for that. But just for the pure inconvenience and uh, you know the, the sort of personal hardship caused by that I'm not sure that's really going to have much of an impact but what what I would want to know is is what the severance offer was to yeah. begin with because uh, mm-hmm. you know it, we, it, there, there may be more on the table for that reason alone so uh, if, if you don't mind me asking how much were you offered at the time of termination so since I was only there for under a year they had offered me uh, one month one month. Okay, uh-huh. and what, what, sorry, what position did you, I think you mentioned, what position was this? Uh, uh, middle management and marketing. Middle management. Okay, did you have people reporting to you? Yeah, just a couple. Okay, and what was your level of compensation in this job? Uh, in uh, about 80. Okay. So, uh, and the last question for you here is how old are you? Uh, 25. 25. Okay, so I, I think that you could be entitled to a little bit more than that. I, I think that someone in your circumstances could be entitled to to, to double that or, or even potentially triple that that you've been offered since you've only been offered one month. I, I think that two months is probably a fair assessment of, of what you would get in these circumstances. So you do have a little bit of leverage on that front if you think it's going to take you longer than a month to find a, a new job. So if that's the case, then I would give us a call for that reason alone. And we can, I don't know if there's anything we can do about the phone issue, which is, of course, very frustrating, but I, I don't think that that actually gives rise to a legal entitlement. But there is, I, I would say, an additional legal entitlement to severance if you're going to be out of work for longer than a month. So there, there may be something there, and if you want to give us a call, I, I'd definitely be happy to chat with you more. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate uh, your call. That number to get a hold of, one 821 5900 And, of course, help at employmenthour.com as well. you still got plenty of time to phone in, ask your questions on the show tonight. We do a Monday night, Wednesday night, the weekend shows, and Employment Hour and 30 on TV. That happens on Global TV and CTV on Saturday and Sunday mornings as well. Talking about the reasons why people accept bad severance packages, they are worried, I love this one, about upsetting their employer. A lot of times people will say this, and I, I get it. It's it's a yeah. stressful situation, and you hear this really mostly with people who've been at a company for a very long time, and often if there's certain characters at work who are uh, intimidating – 
but it, it's a completely misplaced fear because severance yeah. negotiations, as I mentioned earlier in the show, they're, they're not acrimonious. They're a business negotiation, right? And, and that's what my approach is. I set a positive tone and I always tell my clients, I say, you're going to see what our correspondence is with the company. And you'll see before it goes out that we're not there to poison the well. We're not there to be aggressive. We're certainly not there to hurt the company. We're there to help you. And that's the tone that I set there. So I can understand if you've worked in a small shop with three to four people, maybe you're very close with them. Maybe you don't want to get someone else involved. But especially if you're at a larger company, if you're going to be out of work for a long time, you, you should think about what your future is going to be. How are you going to pay the bills? we got uh, lots more on the way. You want to call us? We have open lines for the remainder as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Again, one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Uh, people accepting bad uh, severance packages, many reasons why. Another one, the deadline was only two weeks. Only got two weeks to sign it back. Right. I think this was a, a message yeah. that, that was played during the break, uh, and it because it is such a common myth that we want yep. to make sure everyone knows this. The deadline is something that you'll find on every termination letter every single one and it's usually a week sometimes two weeks and the reason why it's there is to pressure you and dissuade you from getting legal advice because remember that the severance package isn't being offered because the employer is trying to be nice it's being offered because they have exposure they really do want you to sign that release it's not a one-way deal it's a two-way street here so what i always tell clients is of course i can't prevent your employer from doing something foolish like changing the severance offer because you didn't sign it by the deadline but this simply isn't something that i see happen and there's a reason for that it's not luck it's because it doesn't make any sense you know most well you can't say all little companies but most of the big ones and some of the small ones like have reasonably sophisticated hr and they realize that that deadline even though it's on there it's kind of an arbitrary thing and if you're smart and savvy and listen to this program you will take your time and seek legal advice right yeah and the other thing that i tell employees is that they wanted you to sign because they have exposure because they don't want to be dealing with a claim if you come in with a lawyer then they're going to want you to sign that even more because now yeah. they know that you're serious about this. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. actually by you coming in with a lawyer, you're actually decreasing the likelihood, not increasing it, that they're going to uh, that they're going to reduce it and you're greatly increasing the likelihood that they will increase it, which is what happens the vast vast majority of the time. Reasons why people accept bad severance packages, termination uh, was for cause. Okay, that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. it's not it's good, good because that's yeah. where you have the most entitlements, right? If you're someone yeah, right. who's normally entitled to six months of your pay and you make a hundred thousand a year, or even if you make sixty thousand a year, you know that that's thirty or fifty thousand dollars. Remember that establishing termination for cause is extremely difficult, especially when it's something like performance. The company's going to have to prove that you did something really awful. We're talking fraud, forgery, something else really, really dishonest, theft, termination for cause on the basis of poor performance or poor fit or or a bad attitude or just, you know, bad, generally bad behavior at work. It's almost never legal. So go see a lawyer if that's happened to you. Another reason why they accept it is because they can't afford to pay legal fees, or at least that's the, uh, that's the thought, right? Right. I really hate to hear this because it's such a misconception. Clients often assume that negotiating severance p- package is going to cost 
thousands and thousands of dollars and then it's going to put them in a worse situation than they started. And of course, if that was the case, why on earth would you do it? But in reality, right. that's just not how it works because, you know, speaking from ST Law, of course, we recognize this. We recognize that you just lost your primary source of income. You got to start thinking about employment insurance. You might have to start thinking about going into your savings. So there's a lot of different payment options. And, and I always say the last thing that I want to do is to stand in the way of a proper severance package with our legal fees. So of course, you know, those options are unlimited, but nine out of 10 times we can find something that's going to work for you. No, and I know you and Leora said in the past that quite often when you guys uh, negotiate a package, the legal fees are included in it as well. So, I mean, that's, you know, sometimes it's not even your uh, your burden to bear, right? Yeah. What, what tends to happen almost every single time is at the end of the negotiations, we get two checks. There's one for the employee and one for the firm. And so generally speaking, money doesn't even exchange hands nice. uh, for the most part. Nice. Between us we'll get to a call from, uh, from Lynn. Hey, Lynn, good evening. How are you? Hello. Hi, Lynn. Go Hi, ahead. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What's going on? Um, I work for an insurance company, and I went to sue them 20 years ago for sexual harassment. And then it ended up that I had a bad lawyer, and he kept missing court dates and stuff like that. So then they threw out my case to court. And then I get another lawyer, and then he sued the lawyer, and um, we put it to his liability insurance. So... The only thing I ever got from my insurance job is the disability benefits that I still get for stress and depression. But I'm wondering, um, do they have to pay me a, a severance package? Well, there may have been something that we could have done at the time, but since I think you mentioned this happened a long time ago, 20 years ago, uh, certainly you would be way, way past the limitation deadline. The limitation deadline is two years, right? So once two years have passed, um, then uh, you're not able to, to go for your entitlements. Now, I know that you started an action at this point, but if the action's been dormant for this long, then what's probably been happening is it's been thrown out by the courts. So I... I, I I think it's but I'm still on my disability, which is my group benefit. Sure, but what what matters is you know if you have if you have severance entitlements, you actually have to pursue those severance entitlements, and if that stays dormant for twenty years, uh, I can tell you with ninety nine percent certainty that there's there's very likely nothing that's going to be uh, salvageable from that particular lawsuit. Even though you're on disability for stress and depression and all that, that's not something that's group benefit. Yeah, that's, that's, well, I mean, if you're still with the company and your employment hasn't actually been terminated, then we may be in a different situation, right? Yeah, so if, no, it's never terminated. Okay, so it's not terminated. So you're still no. an employee at this, at this yeah, point? Yeah, my dental benefits, my group benefits, everything, oh. yeah. Okay, so, uh, so you're still in the company's payroll effectively for, for their group benefits. Well, I don't get any, I, I still get all my, my group benefits, yeah. Right. Okay. And now I never get a letter saying you're terminated. No. No. Okay. Well, in in that case, that's a very different situation. So I, I think I, there may have been a, a miscommunication there. If that's the case, well, then you really just have to wait and see what the company wants to do. I mean, if you're in a position where you have a letter from your doctor saying that you can't go back to work because you're too sick to go back to work and you're never going to be able to get back to work, or it's very unlikely you're ever going to be able to get back to work then you should give us a call because then you can get something. Now, it's not going to be your full entitlements, but in that case, you can still get your minimum entitlements because what the law in Ontario says is that where you are unable to go back to work due to illness, your employment effectively is terminated, but you still get your minimum amount. So if that's the case uh, and you really can't go back to work, then let's talk about it. Then I would give us a call because that is a very different situation.
Yeah, no, the doctor fills in their paperwork every year and says they can never work again. Okay, well, in that case, then we, we should talk. We should talk. I, I want you to give us a call because there may be something we can do there. Lynn, that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. Uh, I'm going to wrap up a couple more of these before we uh, split for the night. Uh, reasons why people accept bad severance offers: they believe another another big misconception that the negotiations will take months or years upon years to get through. Right. No, this is not something that happens. And, and, and while not always the case, most severance packages can negotiate, be negotiated in a matter of weeks. It, sometimes it's a couple months, usually not much more than that. And, and so what that often means for, for many employees is that they don't really get any gap in income. And be, that's because right. your employer is going to have to pay you your minimum termination entitlements while your full entitlements are being negotiated. Of course, unless they think they have cause in which they'll try and pay you nothing. But right. in most cases for, for regular termination negotiations, you, you're probably not going to have any gap. Yeah, between that and you know the whole thing with the paying for the court and all stuff, people kind of confuse this with like divorce law. No, <laughs> it's, it's two totally like different that. things. It's nothing like that. It's yeah. it's like confusing a heart surgery with a regular doctor's checkup, right there. Yeah, right. There, yes, you know, you have <laughs> medical professionals in both cases, but they're they're quite different things to be going through, right? right. And and I'm not saying that that going through a, a family law proceeding is is like heart surgery, but they they are really are that that different, you know, when you yeah. compare uh, a severance negotiation from something as acrimonious as that. Good way to put it, man. We'll wrap it there for the night and be back in the weekend shows as well. Monday nights, Wednesday night, the weekend shows, Employment Hour and 30 happens on TV, Global TV and CTV, Saturday and Sunday mornings. If you're in doubt, anytime, 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com and always, always, always go to severancepaycalculator.com first to find out what your severance offer should be before you make any move and then make that phone call. We are done for tonight. We are back to On Point with Alex Pearson next right here on Global News Radio.